I only ask her about the world population, and she thinks for a while and says, It's seven billion. So I have to remind her grandma's gone, and mom wipes a tear from her eye and makes a gesture like what I said was funny, but I don't find it funny. So I hit the door with my fist and leave the room running while mom yells at me to come back. Dad comes into the kitchen. He speaks in thunders. Zero tolerance next time, he says. Next comes zero, I think, but I don't say it. I don't talk back or dad will be furious. Then I won't be the kid in the second row. I won't be the firstborn either. I will become zero. Zero is close to nothing, and I feel like I'm fading. I disappear. I'm lost. A never-ending peekaboo. Only I'm gone forever. Some people don't count, obviously. That's basic knowledge. So I leave the house running and head to Dean's. Dean's mom storms into his room. She talks in thunders or numbers. First, why is he here? She asks Dean. Second, why aren't you studying? She takes Dean's hand and drags him away from me, yelling at him, but doesn't say a word to me, as if I'm not there, as if I have already disappeared behind an invisible wall, or like I don't count, like Grandma didn't count. This time I talk back. I'm number seven billion, I say. That's the biggest number I know of. And she stares at me like I'm crazy. She's angrier now. But I don't care. I'm here. I refuse to vanish. If that's what it takes to escape Grandma's fate, I'll make people angry or furious. She then fixes her hair, smiles, and tells me, You're not a number, sweetie. And I turn her way, shrug, and say, You see me now. you did not catch my drift as you drifted away here's an incoherent list of all the things that I meant to say it's true yes I am tired but I can't find peace when I am waiting for the worst possible thing we can make it through another day of your sadness we can make it through just about anything sun that burns freckles your nose in the summertime 
like so much that yours is the same as mine. A Season of Your Sadness by Tammy PC. This next one by Mileva Anastasiadu was published at Lost Balloon. My husband bought a river, but now he is drowning. He bought that river for me. He wanted to feel my pain, to know me better, he claims, but he's on the verge of falling apart because he can't handle water, not like I do. He used to be calm, composed, I was the wreck up until now, and he'd do his best to keep us together. He was the glue that kept the edifice standing. Collapse is the new normal, and the glue can't do much now, now that the ship we've been sailing on is falling to pieces. In fact, he wished to show me how good he can be, an expert at everything. He wanted it all, but now he has nothing. Husband holds on to me like I'm his anchor, an anchor buried deep in the waters that drown him. He's not familiar with waters that run deep. He's dead frightened, shouting and yelling, but I can't hear him. I've been drowning for long. I'm used to drowning, to endings, to danger. He's been hopeful for long, afloat. But he can't buy safety. He can't swim now, now that the river is his to handle. He's been the optimist, the joyful, the happy one, but now he is desperate. Remember the angst, the panic attacks, impending doom knocking at the door for no apparent reason? Now there is a reason, I tell him. Now fear is justified. Justified fear is less frightening. It lessens anxiety, makes sense, soothes the pain. Blessed are those who can breathe underwater, who walk proudly in chaos and all is back to normal my kind of normal, now that the earth does not feel like home, now that we're both drowning and life is beautifully terrifying. I like to think of you happy, I like to picture you free. But I built this cage and I own the key And I hold it tight Yeah, I hold it against you lesson I know exactly how I got to this place what I need to know now I need to know how do I get away 
put one foot in front of the other and repeat. This is going on where it's gotten us. So, driver, can you please, can you crash this bus? Maybe let me off at the next stop. Might as well be mad at dirt Are you a man with time to waste? Or just addicted to hurt? Feel it in your bones Heavy as lost hope Tammy PC with Geography Lesson. This next one was published at New World Writing. Fake Plastic Everything. The rich shrink can't help himself when he's depressed. Can't self-medicate with pills and stuff. He needs a therapist to help him out. To sell his house and clean his mess. You should buy that house, my therapist says, and I trust him. It's not that I don't. For he's old and wise, like the rich shrink, only he's not rich like the rich shrink, or like me. I tell him I'd rather go back in time. That's what therapists do, for God's sake. They take you back in time to examine causes. He says I suffer from covert OCD, and I shake my head, as I don't seem to mind messes. Yet he insists I enjoy time travel stories for its control I long for, over the most uncontrollable mess that is time. I don't intend to control time. It's her I want to control. She's been ungrateful, I say. He says I should buy her the house. You'll get her back, he adds, then croons something like, you can't buy love, because he likes paraphrasing songs, and I like to pretend that I don't hear him. The rich shrink can't help himself. He's been a total mess. He just wants to get rid of the house, claims that will heal him. My therapist knows for he's the rich shrink's therapist, who's unapproachable but also too messed up. My therapist needs a therapist too, for from time to time to time he can't control himself. I have to remind him I'm the patient here, not him. That house, he says, that house, he repeats, like that house has been his own dream or nightmare, not the rich shrink's, not my salvation. He turns my way, unbuttons his coat like he's suffocating. He coughs once, coughs twice, then fixes his eyes on the ceiling, 
like the answer is up there. I look up, but see no answer. I look back at him, and now he smiles. His white teeth shine bright, hiding his face, blurring the image, and I smile too, can't think of anything else to do. He mumbles some words I don't hear. His thoughts are too scattered to fit into words. But he goes on, ranting, venting, as if I'm not there, and I already feel stupid I handed him the straw to suck my soul out of me, mend it and put it back where it belongs, only he mocks my soul like I'm a hopeless case, and I'll have to go on pretending I'm not part of the joke, for that's what people do with therapists. I cheated on her, and she left. I offered her gifts, but she insists you can't cut a piece of love, however tiny, and pretend everything is fine, because suddenly all love is in that little missing piece, and the gifts don't count anymore. That fake plastic house is what you need, says the therapist, crooning again about a fake plastic love, because that's what he does. He talks in songs he thinks I don't know, but I'm familiar with pop music, only I feign ignorance to not hurt his feelings. The rich shrink can't help himself. He needs my therapist to keep him sane, but he has a house that can help itself and clean itself. That house is too big for me, I say. It needs too much effort. That's another problem I have. I love the idea of things, but not the actual things. The idea of a big house, but not the house itself or the work it involves. I assume she too liked the idea of me, but not the real me. My therapist smiles like he knows better. He says it's a self-help house, like the owner is a self-help guru. It comes with a maid. The rich shrink is bored with that house, and my therapist is bored with him. He has repeatedly advised him to keep a low profile, but the rich shrink can't help himself. And I can't help myself either. I'll buy that house like he advised me, that fake plastic house, and I'll buy me love, and I'll be fine, and I know my therapist thinks that purchase love doesn't count. I know, for he's been repeatedly paraphrasing songs, sings them to me, thinking that I don't hear them. My therapist rubs his fake plastic lies onto my face, longs to be one of us, part of this fake plastic everything. But he pretends that money is useless, my money is useless, that I don't count as much as I think I do. He puts me down again and again, for that's what poor therapists do to rich people. They don't know, they can't know, what money can do. Telling me and go ahead It's not quite an invitation But all I need's a little provocation And I can't run fast enough, no Do you forget what I am thinking of? There is no better place Than when I'm where I should be Thank you. 
time when time will blind me Oh, I'm tiptoed to the mouth of regret But I haven't fallen in just yet And I have had my fill of you And I am overflowing There is no controlling that which Which calls itself free PC with The Mouth of Regret. This next one was published at Milk Candy Review. Mirror, Mirror. The girl in the mirror stares back at me like she's angry. She should be me, only she isn't. I make funny grimaces to make her smile, but she frowns instead. The girl in the mirror laughs and laughs, then says she misses me, She makes it clear she wants me back. The girl in the mirror looks down like she can't stand me. She's bright, shiny, and happy like I used to be. She's pretty and funny and everything I was before, unlike me now, unlike this dark figure that stands across her. She's had enough. She's bored with me. She turns into an eagle and flies away. I have no shadow now, no reflection. I ask of her to stay, but it's too late. Even I have abandoned me. The girl in the mirror waves from afar like she doesn't care. She doesn't recognize me, like I have unzipped me to come out as somebody else. She says she doesn't want me like that while she flies high in the sky, and I can't know what she means for the mirror doesn't work. I can't see me now, can't face me. But I'll be like her again. I'll grow wings. I'll be an eagle. Somehow we'll meet and we'll be one again. And we'll fly out of this, out of this room, out of sorrow, into the vastness of the world, into the sky. Circling a perfect metaphor for us all But the wind blows If I feel it or not Now I wish to be emotionless as water Not liable Connecting this to that If I follow or not
All the pretty smokestacks and all your violent comebacks And I am still searching for a word Meaning not worth it Cause it's not worth it anymore Sometimes I lay beneath the sky and I come away When I realize the star's arms won't keep me warm No, I'm not sensitive Stand too close to myself most of the time And the wind blows If I'm there or I'm not And you will go anywhere I'm not That was Tammy PC with I Am Not Sensitive. How would you call me if you forgot my name? By Mileva Anastasiadou. This one was published at Gone Lawn. We were clouds back then, I tell him. He nods tenderly, looking me in the eye, watching the movie that's been playing in my mind. I stare back at him to let him see the film. I wish I could put it into words, what I'm trying to say, yet language skills have long abandoned me. My mind only works in images and feelings, so he does most of the talking. Trilogy within a day, he says. That's our favorite game nowadays, the name of the film. We talk about the past as if it's still here. We sometimes even pretend we still live in it. I can't remember what I ate last night, yet I remember the past. Sunrise. Back when we were clouds, when we jumped into trains or onto ships and traveled because we'd had enough of where we'd been. We trained ourselves to become useful, yet it didn't really bother us that we weren't. We swallowed pills that kept us high, although we didn't need to. Nothing ever happens, we sang. Everything happened back then, yet we were too bored or impatient to recognize it. We used to slide through the seasons effortlessly. We used the plane only for regular trips. We didn't drive back then, yet we could ride motorbikes. We jumped into the back seat, embracing the rider. We almost fell in love with the rider, although he wasn't a permanent companion. Nothing seemed permanent back then. Yet we fell in love sometimes with places and people, thinking they're the one for us. Deep down, we knew they weren't. So when it ended, we cried. Not for long, just for a couple of days until the next trip, until the next person came along. Clouds, I repeat in all seriousness, without really remembering what I was talking about. He caresses my hair and offers me some water. I pretend to go on with the conversation, yet I can't fool him, not anymore. He knows me too well to believe I'm still on track. Yet he also feigns absent-mindedness as if he's also forgotten the topic. Rain, I tell him, certain we'd been talking about the weather. He doesn't mind at all. He stands beside me, holding my hand, enjoying the moment while it lasts. I recognize him. My soulmate standing next to me is the person I will forget last, I swear. Yet I forget his name. He reassures me it's not that important. He's what I want him to be. The doctor suggested I should trust his eyes more than mine. When hallucinations appear, he's the one to tell me what's real and what's not, so I now call him Eyes. 
He drinks a sip of water from my glass. He takes a napkin to wipe my mouth, his eyes fixed on mine, as if the movie's still playing for him to watch. Sunset. We then transformed into grown-ups. Our trips were always scheduled, the hotels booked. We had regular, useful jobs, contributing our share to society. We paid bills to keep warm in winter and cool in summer. We were still clouds. The yarns connecting us to the ground were still unseen. We still couldn't detect the roots that spread into the ground. Those roots were still too flexible to notice. We swallowed pills that kept us working, ticking, grounded. We took those pills to remain calm in the face of adversities. We were too busy still floating in the air to notice. Life was not much of an adventure anymore. The world wasn't our playground. Our life seemed more permanent then, yet we didn't mind. That was a life goal achieved. We weren't kids anymore, so we didn't mind anyway. Nothing ever happens, I mumble. He starts singing that old tune we both like, a sing-along. I'm not sure how I still remember the lyrics, yet the doctor has mentioned it could happen. He said I'd have my ups and downs. He advised me to enjoy the ups while they last, and ignore the downs when they happen. My mind is stuck on this song as if all meaning of life is hidden in it. I repeat it over and over. We now hold each other with both hands, facing one another, singing, until he suddenly stops, as if he's just remembered something important. Keep singing, he says, and heads to the kitchen. He brings a pill and another glass of water. I spit the pill the moment he places it into my mouth. I'm angry at him for spoiling the moment. He can't possibly know how important these moments are to me. I try to raise myself, yet my limbs feel heavy. What has happened to me? He embraces me to keep me still, yet his embrace now feels like prison. I look deep into his eyes, begging him to let me go. Midnight. Silently we fell from the clouds and into the place we call reality, without even noticing. Our roots dragged us down. We still take pills, which keep our blood pressure steady, our cholesterol levels low, our brain working. It's always too hot, too dry, or too cold. We don't travel at all. We remain still, guarding what we already have. We appreciate people while we have them around, the air we breathe, our beating hearts while they still beat. All those things we took for granted have now transformed into precious treasures. We're almost trapped now, in a hole in the ground we call home, running around it with guns protecting it from invaders. We have transformed into trees. Growing up is loss. Nothing ever happens, our favorite song, is not a complaint anymore. It's turned into a wish. We only wish nothing happened. We pray for things to remain the same, or even go back to how they used to be. How would you call me if you forgot my name, I ask. He's eyes. He's still useful to me. When I don't remember the word chair, I describe it as the thing we sit on. Food is the thing we eat to stay alive. The car is what serves to transfer us. Who would I be if my name was forgotten? I was a wife, a mother, a successful teacher, yet what am I now? I'd call you my love. He's my eyes now, so I believe him. Truth be told, he's always been my eyes. We were clouds back then, I repeat. At least those yarns led us both here, he says. 
At least were trees standing side by side, our roots entangled, in a forest of trees, watching the clouds above us. At least were not deserted islands or soulless rocks. That was Tammy PC with Your Favorite Song. And this next one was published at Angst, the Feminist Body Zine. All Truth in Nursery Rhymes. There was a little boat that had never traveled, goes the verse. Mom, Dad, and I are on the same boat. Mom says we're stuck here, and Mom's right as usual. It'll be fine, I tell them. Dad sings that tune from old times the Greek version of a French Navy song, an innocent song children sing. It sounds like a lullaby at first, an illusion of normalcy. It's just a kid's song, he says. I nod. We need singing and happy, harmless tunes. We'll get through this, I tell them. Those white little lies that save lives sometimes are all I can think of. Doctors use them all the time. That's how the game is played. That little boat traveled a long journey in the Mediterranean, goes the verse. We play that game all day. All three of us follow the rules. And we pretend that nothing's wrong. Brother is on the phone, says he's busy with the kids. Mom misses him a lot, but doesn't complain. 
She's happy she has me. I take good care of them. She grabs my hand and holds it tight. She holds it like she doesn't care if she gets infected, like my hand is her anchor to reality. Mom's losing it, I think. I gently withdraw my hand and suggest we see a movie. She doesn't like action films. Not anymore. They were fun when life was boring. Now she prefers boring movies, she says, films in which nothing happens, turning our past tense imperfect to past perfect, past lived, forgotten, then rebuilt, refined, polished to seem like heaven. You lost, Mom, I think, but don't speak out. I pretend I didn't notice what she said. And in five to six weeks, the food ran out, goes the verse. Dad sings that tune again and again, like it didn't hurt enough the first time. La la la, he adds, like he's happy, like we're not on that boat, or as if our supplies were unlimited and we don't have a care in the world. But they are not. We ran out of food, money, ideas, hope. Dad's the best at pretending, at ignoring reality. That film was a turkey, says Mom. Our days indoors have been a turkey. Only I try to turn them into a peacock. I color them with silly jokes and stupid grimaces. Dad laughs, but Mom seems nostalgic, looking at old photos in which we could still hug and kiss and touch each other. And we drew straws to see who will be eaten, goes the verse. We can't afford social distancing for long, so says my boss. Mom grabs my hand again and closes the door. You shouldn't work, she tells me. Damn, she lost again. Mom can't pretend for long. I smile and pull away and tell her my job is considered essential, which is a lie, but I don't make the rules. I only play the game. I step out, already missing the boat, the game, the jokes, the safety. If I am careful, nothing bad will happen, I tell myself, although deep down I feel like Iphigenia, like the lamb, like a sacrifice to the gods. I've sacrificed a lot already, my hopes, my dreams. A woman is expected to. Now my life is at stake, but is my life important enough? I look up at the sky and there's a cloud up there, a single cloud, shaped as a dragon, open-mouthed, ready to swallow me like impending doom. But I ignore the cloud. I stay focused. Don't touch anything. Don't breathe. But breathing is essential, unlike my job. There's that other tune that comes to mind, a happy tune, Ring-a-ring-a-roses. Funny how those nursery rhymes speak the truth, but sound happy. And we all hold hands, all people in the world, and go round that cloud in the middle, that imaginary friend which proves an enemy, round and round a dragon we have named Manoli, which sounds like Panoli, the Greek word for plague, for that's how the verse goes in Greek. And we dance like there's no tomorrow, for there isn't. And we dance and dance and dance until we fall down, one by one, all of us. In the end, we'll lose the war. But not today, not now. Now we hold hands and dance and sing and we're happy, and it's those little battles that make the difference. And that cloud looks down on us and smiles and thinks we're shaped as rings. No void, no distance in between us. We're round, connected, and strong.
of your was Tammy PC with Staring Contest. I guess it's time for a little mise. And on the menu today is an interview with our featured musician, Tammy PC. 
Tammy Pesey lives in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where she writes songs and stories. Her greatest hopes and dreams would bring an eternity filled with discovering new species of edible mushrooms and a year-round season for outdoor gardening. If she could have anything at all in the world, she'd already have it. 1. What is your earliest memory of the woods? My earliest memory of the woods is a camping trip I took with my parents and my dad's friend, Phil Dickman. Phil's wife may have been there, but she isn't part of the memory. Phil kept my dad out fishing and drinking beers. I was four or five years old. My mom and I spent most of our time there together. I watched nervous as she washed her hair in a river where there were fish. I stayed behind her, but always where I could see my mom. I squatted behind a tree where she cupped her hands and let me pee into them when I was afraid to go directly onto the grass. At some point, as we were walking through the woods, I think we were lost, looking for our campsite. Then the trees opened into a clearing where about a million blue butterflies fluttered around this box set up in the middle of that place. I thought for a long time I had dreamed that part, but she remembers it too. So it either really happened, or it's a dream we shared. 2. If you were to present your current obsessions as a menu, what would that menu look like? Appetizer. YouTube Karen videos. A small plate of fermented, entitled white people, drizzled with aged privilege and fresh, ill-conceived, righteous indignation, served in a public setting. First course. Family history. A selection of pan-fried southern ancestors smothered in a gravy of poverty and sharecropping over a bed of wilted death certificates and census records, with a side of smoked antique photographs. Second course. Emergency preparedness. An aromatic bunker stocked with an ample portion of canned goods, air-dried grains nestled in mylar, and infused with not nearly enough potable water. Third course, mushroom hunting. A distinctive compote of savory anticipation, woody suspense, and zest of expectation, followed by chef's choice of a rich sense of fulfillment or sour disappointment. Dessert. A nap. Twenty minutes of quietude glazed with bittersweet, sweaty baby snuggles under a flaky crust of mid-afternoon dreams and an airy topping of whipped avoidance of domestic chores. Three. What is your songwriting process and creative practice like? I am a collector of scraps of paper I've scribbled with potential lyrics. Rarely I'll find an almost complete set. Lately the practice of it begins with a car ride. Just me in the car, no radio. Windows up or down. It will occur to me that I should sing out loud the string of words I've been sitting with in my head. Maybe I've been in some mood or another and I've finally found the words for it. Or there's a relationship with another person that needs sorting. After a while of putting the first string together with a few others, I'll want to write it down, because it will otherwise be forgotten forever. If I'm lucky, there's something there in the car to write on, maybe a receipt or a piece of mail. I used to write and drive, but now I'll pull off the road to get the lyrics down. Later on, could be a long time later, I'll type up the lyrics and one day get out my guitar and let them become a song. 4. What are your five favorite words associated with mushrooms? Mycorrhizal, chanterelle, polypore, mayatake, corn smut. With babies? Babble, neonate, naptime, toddle, perambulator. With gardens? Vermiculite, plot, permaculture, dirt, amend.
Five, what was your favorite fairy tale as a child and why? My favorite fairy tale as a child and now is called One Eye, Two Eyes, and Three Eyes. It's the story of a daughter mistreated by her family for her ordinariness and her relationship with her goat, which eventually leads to her happily ever after. I thought for a long time my first grade teacher had made it up just for our class. When we were very good, at the end of the day, she gave us a choice between two rewards. We could see the baby octopus she kept in a jar of formaldehyde in her desk, or she'd tell a story. I loved the octopus, but I always hoped for this story. I would put my head to my desk and close my eyes while she spoke, and watch it like a movie in my mind. It's my favorite because I think this is where I learned about grace. At the end, the girl in the story takes care of her family, who had starved her and treated her poorly, after she goes off to live with her Prince Charming. Bonus, if you were a stuffed animal, what would you be? I would be the Velveteen Rabbit, which I once thought was called the Velveeta Rabbit. My first experience with the story was reading it to myself. I didn't know yet what velvet was, but I knew about fake cheese. The toy rabbit goes to the woods to find his own kind and becomes whole. And that was our mise with our featured musician, Tammy PC. And you can find out more about Tammy PC online at her website. She also writes stories. And her website is TammyPC.com. That's T-A-M-M-Y-P-E-A-C-Y.com. Thank you so much, Tammy, for sharing your music and thoughts with us in the Violet Hour. And the, all of the music was recorded live in Sugar Whiskey's studio. A huge thank you to Dan Nielsen for uh, all that recording, engineering, mixing, mastering magic. And um, I've got uh, one more song for you. This is What I Got by Tammy PC. I'm not a bus stop, I'm not here for your waiting If I gave you that impression, well I'm sorry bar stool I'm not here to make you talk not here to lean up on no I'd rather see you fall and I I may not know yet what I am but I do know what I'm not I don't know what I need but I do know what a table, a place for your elbow Be sure to put your chair in, be sure to just go And I, I'm not your angel, I'm not here to save your soul If there's any redemption to be had here, it's gonna be my own 
Amateur, professional, experimental. Do you tell stories with music and song? Are you interested in being considered for a potential feature on Mr. Bear's Violet Hour? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, please send samples of your work, links to Bandcamp, SoundCloud, your website, digital demo tape files on Google Docs, whatever you have to violethourmoon at gmail.com Hey Miss Mousie Oh hey Mr. Bear, so good to see you is it the full moon already? Oh, no, right? Here I am again. Oh, it's the harvest moon. Uh, what, what's that fabulous smell? Oh, um, I'm making perfume. I took a botanical perfumery course, and now I'm just so excited about uh, combining scents and aromas. You know, bass notes and heart notes and top notes, so am I. Oh, well, that, that sounds exciting. Uh, and uh, it's, it smells wonderful. Uh, what is that? Well, this um, this is a, a base note, labdanum. Uh, I have to admit, I, I have trouble saying it every time. Labdanum. labdanum. What, it is, what is it about those M, M's and N's? Labdanum. And uh, it's a a resin uh, that comes from uh, a bush in the Mediterranean, um, and it um, it grows in Greece and other places in the Mediterranean. And uh, do you want to hear um, a story about it that I I find fascinating? Of course, Miss Mousy, you know I do. Well, um, in ancient times, they got the labdanum. Um, from the goats and and the sheep that were were grazing in the mountains, um, well, the goats and um, would get into the the bushes and they would get the resin in in their in their hair, and so they had um, special rakes um, that um, the shepherds would use to to comb the labdanum out of the goat hair and collect it because um, it was used in perfume and in incense and also medicinally um, and uh, most of the labdanum uh, or a lot of it would be in the goat's uh, beards um, and so uh, I guess uh People with a lot of money uh, would sometimes pay to have the goat's beard cut off, and then they would wear the false beard uh, because it smelled so nice. Um, and that's where the word goatee comes from, because um, they were actually used to wear goat's beards. Oh wow! Oh, that that is fascinating. I know, right? Um, it's so it's so funny the the things you learn. Um, like, did you know that it takes 
three dozen roses for just a drop of rose absolute? Oh no, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it really takes uh, a lot of plant material um, to get, you know, these these tiny amounts of, of absolutes and oils. And, you know, that's why perfume is so precious um, and also why it's so expensive. And why you want to be uh, really careful and do your homework about uh, where your materials are coming from, that they've been sourced sustainably and things like that. Um, and that's why it's so nice to learn uh, to make your own, um, because then you know exactly what's going into them. Oh, very interesting. And uh, uh, looks like a lot of fun, too. I see you have your little glass beakers and vials and droppers. and Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited with my new toys. Um, and uh, I just I love the power of scent. Um, the way a smell uh, is can just instantly transport you to another time or another place. Um, it's it's like time travel. Uh, it can bring back memories, and um, it's because uh, a smell is processed in the limbic system of the brain, which is also where memories are stored. Yeah, I've always been fascinated by smell and memory and and uh, and like you said, the way uh, scents can can transport us. Um, what what else did you learn in your class, Miss Mousy? Um. Oh well. Um. If you want to go back to uh, labdanum, uh, it's also used in vermouth, uh, which, uh, as you know, is a fortified wine with botanicals, um, which traditionally uh, was for uh, medicinal consumption. But now it's very popular um, just in cocktails. You know, of course, martinis and uh, Manhattans. Um, oh, I I do like a good Manhattan. Oh, me too. Um, I don't have any uh, vermouth. Well, I mean, I haven't made any of my own, but I, I do have some in a bottle. And I do have some wonderful bitters that have orange and blueberry and burdock and cinnamon. And I like to put those in my Manhattan. So um, maybe I'll, I'll just whip up a couple of those for us. Oh, that sounds great, Miss Mousy. Uh Manhattan and go look at the full moon. Uh, I, I can't think of anything better. Okay, well, I'll be back in a flash. Uh, don't forget to remind your listeners I am just a two-dimensional hand-drawn rodent studying herbalism. Uh, of course, Miss Mousy, uh, but you're more than that. Oh, thanks, Mr. Bear. And if your listeners are interested in learning more about botanical perfumery, uh, they should check out nomadbotanicals.com. Uh, Carol Addison is really lovely and has a terrific class. Super. Uh, thanks for the info, Miss Mousy. I'll pass it on. Two Manhattans and a full moon coming right up. And that's the show. I hope you enjoyed the work of Mileva Anastasiadu. Uh, Mileva Anastasiadou is a neurologist from Athens, Greece, and she has lots more beautiful work uh, available, published in many journals online. You can Google her, and I will spell that for you. That's Mileva, M-I-L-E-V-A, Anastasiadou, 
A-N-A-S-T-A-S-I-A-D-O-U. So go look her up and check out more of her wonderful words. You can also follow her on Twitter at happymill underscore. That's happy M-I-L underscore. And that's a wrap. So uh, go look at the moon. Go make yourself a Manhattan or a cup of tea. And uh, I will be back with you on the new moon. Thanks so much for spending some time in the Violet Hour. Uh, take care and be kind to each other. Theme song and show music by Sugar Whiskey. Mr. Bear and Miss Mousy believe in radical love and kindness, in mutual aid, and empowering ourselves and our communities. Together we can dismantle the white, racist, colonizing, misogynistic, capitalist, homophobic, transphobic, ableist patriarchy. This podcast was recorded on Potawatomi, Kickapoo, Miami, Sioux, and Peoria land. Text your zip code or city comma state to 907-312-5085 and find out whose land you're living on. Uh, You can also go to land.codeforanchorage.org for more information. There's also a helpful map at native-land.ca. This is just the first step in developing a land acknowledgement. Let's learn our history and honor the land and indigenous peoples, past, present, and future. This podcast was produced in collaboration with the Boston Free Radio Podcast Network, part of bostonfreeradio.com and Somerville Media Center, Somerville's longest-running public access media center that enables a vibrant and diverse community to express its creativity, explain its ideas, share its cultures, and foster the individual right to freedom of speech. Learn more about Somerville Media Center at somervillemedia.org or check out some of the other amazing Boston Free Radio podcasts and radio shows at bostonfreeradio.com. Thanks for listening.